Good afternoon and welcome to the Sitka Nature Show. This is your host, Matt. I want to thank you for joining me here in the first weekend of December 2022. We are just a little more than two weeks away from the winter solstice and our shortest day of the year. The sun is setting here in Sitka a little before 3.30 each afternoon. We've had a good opportunity to observe the sun dropping below the horizon with clear skies and cooler temperatures over the past week. As has been my habit for a number of years, this time of year, I like to head out and try and catch the sunset, catch that uh, dropping below the horizon, see if there might be a green flash. I haven't caught any green flashes or at least none uh, significance over this past week, but it has been interesting to see the sun getting closer and closer to its southernmost point. It will uh, soon reach that and begin its slow journey back north over the next six months. With this cold weather, there's been some birds showing up a little unexpectedly. A couple of mountain bluebirds were seen at the airport. Uh, Townsend Solitaire here in Sitka has been around, and a crane, a sandhill crane, has been continuing to hang around. We'll see if it makes it through the cold weather or how long it makes it through the cold weather here. They typically winter in much warmer areas, and I suspect this one lost its flock somewhere during the migration. It is also the time of year for Christmas bird count, and I invited Victoria Vosberg and Jen Cedarliff, who have been our longtime coordinators for the Christmas bird count in Sitka, to join me again. We'll go ahead and start the conversation just talking about this year's Christmas bird count. If I remember correctly, you have it scheduled for the 18th of December, which will be two weeks from when this is airing, Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it is, I don't know, I, we, it seems like we ask this every year, but or by we, I mean me, ask this every year, like, which number is this for y'all? It's uh, certainly over oh, 10. For, for just us? For, yeah, in terms of organizing. You've we been our longtime organizers. I, is it? You, yep. You're keeping track? Oh, this good. is the 16th year. <laughs> 16th and year. And this is the 123rd Audubon Christmas bird count. 123 total. Uh, and in Sitka, we're up to 50, I would imagine. Like, this is pretty close to the 50th, it seems like. Because it yeah, started in 72 or something like that. Oh, you down. got her, Matt. You got her. Uh, well, <laughs> I found a fact that we didn't have. But I remember... She's making notes now. <laughs> the the 1972-73, somewhere in there, but there was a year that was skipped. And so, yeah, yeah maybe maybe uh, maybe next year we have to do a big 50th. Ooh, that's a good point. I will definitely should figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> Fun we need thing. to figure it out. Yeah. Well, and it's been a... It's been a Interesting. Let's see. It's been two, three years now since we last did sort of a normal we, process. Yes, we missed two normal count years. I, have, I was so disappointed because I was just sure we were only going to miss one, and then last year COVID reared its bit. ugly head again. And yeah, so now we're back to normal. So that normal in this case means having a pre-count meeting with slideshow and signups. That's correct. And you don't have to have done it before. I think that was one of the other things. It was only people that had done it before. Yes, that is part of going back to normal before. Because we couldn't do the training meeting, we only wanted people who knew how our count worked to participate. But this year we are welcoming new people. Uh, I even got an email from someone, I think from Texas, who's visiting, who's hoping to join us in our count. Oh, nice. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah, we've had visitors, I think, before, and I know when Connor's done bird walks before, he's had visitors that happen to be in town for visiting family that wanted to go on a bird walk. And so, and that's uh, what's that. so nice about your slideshow is um, even if you're an excellent 
birder from another part of the country, it's nice to see what is in Sitka during bird count time. Yeah, it, it's just nice to see Matt's pictures too. Well, there's that. <laughs> yes. I have I have two years of photos that I can. I, I, I try to add a few new photos each time. I actually just pulled up my slideshow yesterday and was kind of looking. I was like, what? It's been 2019, I guess, was the last time I, I sort yeah. of prepared it. And a lot of times it's, I, I use a lot of the same pictures over because they're, they're decent pictures. And, and then uh, and it's a pain to redo a slideshow oh, yeah. every time from scratch. <laughs> yes. So. But I also like to filter in some, some if I got a, a new picture that's nice. This year we have wood ducks to, wood ducks to include. Sandhill crane. Sandhill crane that's been around. And I was looking in the records, uh, Margin TD, and I remember there had been one around at some point. And it was in the l- mid to late 90s. There was one that showed up in November and stayed into January. So Ooh, this really? one oh, might cool. stick around as well. I don't know if it died in January or if it moved on. Well, um, let's not think about that yeah. part of it. <laughs> But this one has been around. Yeah, so there are some interesting birds that have been around, and, and maybe we'll stick around for the next little while, and we'll be able to pick up. But I do like to include pictures of those. Like there was a solitaire. That's one that's – I kind of wonder if it's more regular than it's been reported. So there's always – bird count is a nice way to sort of put those on people's radar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Show some pictures because they show up in random neighborhoods, and it's not where birders are typically going. Right. You know, that's one right. of the – yeah, unless there's a bird in the neighborhood or right. Connor happens to walk by. <laughs> yes, yes. Both of those things can be helpful. Um, and so that's – I know that some folks in other communities, some of the serious birders, they like – they walk different neighborhoods all the time because they – you never know where birds might show up. Right, right. I'm not yeah. quite so ambitious. I tend to tend to go to the, the hot spots, so to speak, <laughs> where birds mo- are more likely to occur. I go to where you call me and tell me there's yeah. a bird. <laughs> then, there are, then there are those those as well. You sometimes go to the park. Yeah, I do. I go yeah. to the park quite a bit, actually, because I have to walk the dog. But birding and walking dogs is not easy. So No, yeah, I suppose not. And it's like trying <laughs> yeah. to look through binoculars. And, yeah. I bird Stargaven a lot because I've got the dog out oh, there. Oh, yeah. Right, you found a tundra swan out there. It didn't stick around for long. No, but I was surprised. It was nice to see. I guess He was it, just passing through. Yeah. yeah, it was one. And then two. Was there one or two immature ones with it? It was kind of a strange mix because when I went out there and looked, I, I got the note from you and, the, and I went out and looked and it's like there was a tundra swan and a trumpeter swan adult like right next to each other. Mm-hmm. And then there was these two immature birds. And it's like, are immature birds like, are they full size when they show up here? I couldn't remember. I was like, it seems like they are not distinctly smaller. But then they all kind of lifted up and started swimming. I was like, oh, that adult is definitely and it had a big yellow patch mm-hmm. and yeah. it was definitely smaller than the adult um, trumpeter swan. And yeah. then the two juveniles were the same size as, as the tundra swan so i was like yeah and i saw them they they were often with the trumpeter but i mm-hmm. saw them just apart and it was clearly three tundras yeah oh so one adult and two young ones yeah oh. yeah that's interesting yeah that's what i thought too and then they seemed to move on the next day so i mean i didn't see them the next day mm-hmm. um so yes you never know with with things like that but yeah, it's been an interesting year for birds so the, <laughs> yes, it has. <laughs> yeah, I guess I well, we might as well since we brought that up. So, so I'm the this fall. It wasn't. It didn't like it felt like it. There wasn't an intense like interesting birds, uh, unusual birds showing up. But we had that Hearman skull that a tourist saw in August, I guess the first time. Then oh yeah, it was a oh, couple was weeks. A tourist who yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. And posted it on eBird. Actually, the first I saw it was on Facebook. They posted it and it's like, yeah, I think this. I saw this skull yesterday in Sitka. I think it might be a Hearman skull. And had been there for like a couple minutes, and then the eagles flew by, and all the gulls flew off. And then 
Um, and then somebody, David, David. Uh, found it again two weeks later at the park. And, and, and then subsequently, um, folks saw it out on uh, Sitka Sound. So it was way out by Lazaria. I think I saw three different reports. Connor saw it at least once, maybe twice out there. Yeah. A couple other people saw it out kind of off the south shore of Kruzov. And then it was like not around for a month or more. Uh, nobody saw it at all or reported it at all in September. And then in October, there started showing up again. And so I think I think that's when you got to see it was yeah. in October. Yeah. You know? I thought I was the last, but apparently Paul hadn't seen it. I, I don't know if he's seen it yet. Yeah, I don't well, know. He's if, been out of town too yeah. a lot, so maybe he hasn't. <laughs> yeah, he might have. He might have missed it. Um, it was not very predictable. I know there were some folks that came to visit. Um, hoping to see it and a couple of them or there was one group of three that did see it and then at least one other person that stopped through and didn't end up seeing it Mm. i think the last time it was seen was the day before he got here so that's frustrating yeah it's a little bit but then he went to ketchikan and got to see a blackburnian warbler so which was the first state record so (laughs) that was a little bit of a consolation Yeah. yeah yeah he was hoping for i think that tropical kingbird which wasn't around but uh, oh the one that was here well well or he would have been happy for that there was one in Ketchikan which is part <laughs> of why he was going there so it's one of those things you know you never Ketchikan gets a lot of cool birds they had a they've had a Clark's Nutcracker this fall yeah yeah it's been I know. been interesting I mean I think we we also tend to take for granted our birds um, yeah it's, oh we've yeah. seen them so like you know those are old those are old old hat yeah <laughs> yeah so it is kind of funny but and then the black and white warbler that showed up at Castle Hill um, which is only, I think, the 12th state record for that bird and, and then the first local one. Then the sandpiper. Yeah, a sharp-tailed sandpiper showed up over by the one. airport. That was a tough one because he was over on the airport, so we... Yeah, it, was in, it wasn't in a restricted area exactly, but it was in an area that we needed a little bit of assistance to go Yeah, to go and you would have gotten yelled at had you just gone there yeah. on your own. So, it was really windy the day I saw it. Holy cow. It was cold. And that's the only day I think... I think um, uh, one of the people that works over the airport saw it again like a week later somewhere else, oh. like in the totally restricted area. And then um, that was it. And that was it. So I don't know where it was in the meantime or, or what. But I kept walking Airport Road looking for it, yeah. hoping it would pop it just over, pop but, up. Yeah. 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 It's one of those things you never you never know. I mean, they're flying around. The crane was over there for the Sandhill crane, which first showed up a couple of weeks ago. I guess as a cesarean, it's probably been three weeks ago. Um and the first report I heard of it was over at um, uh, Muller Park on the track. And Bill Foster said, yeah, I saw this. He said, is there a crane in town? He sent me an email. He said, a couple days ago, I was over there, and there was this bird. And I was trying to walk up towards it, and it seemed seemed like a crane. And then it, it, it took off and had that wild sound. And I talked to somebody oh, else, yeah. and it was in their yard on Lakeview Drive. And But he'd seen it. He's <laughs> seen it subsequently there, and, and, um, and airport folks don't want it at Right, the they don't want it over so there. Yeah. I actually watched it walk across the runway <gasps> one day, and uh, turd. it was not. It was, uh, yeah, it was just going to another place I to mean, find some food. We need to educate these birds on uh, airport, airport etiquette. etiquette and where they're not supposed to be. Well, that's you know the Raptor Center. That's the job educating <laughs> oh, birds. Great. Right? You have <laughs> educational birds there. One more oh, thing we on my we're plate: people, oh. <laughs> not birds. Oh my supposed gosh, to be birds. Okay, we've been doing it wrong all these <laughs> yeah. years. Get those get those birds to figure it out, but yeah, it is. It's it's been an interesting. It always seems like there's a few things that show up that are a little bit unusual, and sometimes they stick around into December and and the early part of the I year. I was actually hoping for another little crazy whale fest weekend birdathon at Castle Hill this year, but hey, at least we got the black and white. That yeah. was cool. Well, and it was so Such cold at the beginning pretty. of November. Yeah, was, like we got that cold snap that came in pretty hard and. 
and then it warmed up again, which yeah. I don't know if that made a difference for the, I, I imagine it did. But the, yeah, that black and white warbler only was around for a couple of days, as far as I know. That's, uh, you saw it the second, I think both of you saw it the second day. Mm-hmm. And then I don't think anybody saw it after that. Um, so Connor yeah, was a little I don't know he was that we town. would have seen it had we not had the had uh, Brad and Sully, Sully, Sully and, and David David not shown up and they I mean they were everywhere and playing calls and it was I mean I wouldn't have found it had it not been for them I them I don't think yeah. I forget how tiny warblers are. <laughs> Well, and this one was crawling around along the branches, you know, and so it wasn't like out at the ends. It yeah. Was, uh, yeah. See, and I kept looking. Well, and I I had read that. I went in the book and looked it up and read a little bit about it. And so I was kind of, you know, most warblers are going to be out and flitting around. And this guy was, he was hard to find. It's not easy. Yeah. I was um, told I, I'd never, I mean, I saw it and I was like, okay, this is one. I don't know what it is. Uh, and David was there, and he's and at first he was like, it, it's not acting like I expected black and white, and then it started to do it more. He's like, they kind of act like creepers, so they're kind of mm. like little brown creepers because they're creeping up the the branches more than the creepers often use the trunks. But the uh, black and white warbler was, you know, more using branches and trunks, but still mm-hmm. doing that kind of creeping around and looking for little bites to eat. And really the, pretty little bird, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and so it's. You know, never know, and and we're crossing fingers that at the at the bird count, somebody will turn up something exciting. Yeah, we we seem to get some weird things every few years. Oh yeah, so I, I did write down some oddities we saw last year, and then we can go over things to look for this year. Uh, rare birds we saw last year: a fork-tailed storm petrel, magpie, redhead, wood duck, and a great horned owl. Oh, nice! Yeah, the great horned owl was that was actually on my count and I I area and I missed it. I, I heard the ravens cawing and I didn't think to go. I mean, they were crying. It was by the Raptor Center and that's not far from the transfer station. So there's often a big scrum of ravens out there doing their thing. So it didn't really give it too much of a second thought. And then I guess Jen, you had to go to the Raptor Center for something, and you're yeah, like, "There's an owl out here." Well, because. It's like you say, often the, the ravens are um, making a lot of noise like that. But this was the different, this was like a mobbing kind of. Yeah. And I, I had heard, I've heard that a couple other times before, but it's been like in the woods, it's kind of difficult to get into and really thick trees and stuff. And so I haven't gone and checked, but this one was like right along the edge of the trail. So I just went up the trail and I, he wasn't easy to find. <laughs> he was sitting right there, but you know, it's an owl. So they're very camouflaged and. Yeah. So then I had to let you know. And I, I don't know if I even knew it was your area. I was just like, there's a great horned owl up here. Yeah, I went back. I had been there probably an hour before um, you you messaged me. And so I was, I think, down on Indian River Road. And so I walked back and and took a look. And it did take, yeah, it was a little bit to find the right place to see it through the branches yeah. up there. And but it was hard to get a picture of it even because there was a lot of branches in the way. Yeah. But, but it was fun to fun to find. Yeah. I think the redhead was maybe that was probably the one Connor saw on the channel on the mm. first of or around the first, second or third, somewhere in there. Well, birds to look for this year. We kind of already went over them, but um, the solitaire. There's still a coot coot around. There was four coots on there the lake four, as yeah. long as the lake stays 
thawed, which well, given the forecast for the, it might not <laughs> for you know the week after this is it's the week before this airs, but the week after we're recording it, uh, it's going to probably freeze up again. It did freeze up briefly at the beginning of November, and they kind of there was one I think that stuck around with the ice, but then since then they've sort of gradually filtered back again. So. Yeah. Um, hard to say, but yeah, coots often. Uh, there's one around. There's been hooded merganser uh, still on the lake, so they're what? they're around. That would be nice. Uh, female, but not a male. Um, I thought they were long gone. I haven't even looked. Yeah, there. I saw. I, I hadn't seen them the in a while. <laughs> okay. I go over there and I look for the wood ducks, and I'm like, I, all I see is mallards, you know. And I don't go over onto the peninsula because of avian influenza, and I don't want to go over there. But um. Yeah, I'd go over there and I'd stop and I'd look for the wood ducks. And then she'd tell me like three hours later, oh, I saw the wood ducks. at the." I'm like, what? <laughs> so I finally saw them the other day. <laughs> yeah, there's three of them, which is. Um, oh, there's three now? Yeah, there's. Well, there's been three since the beginning, but they're not always oh, there. Oh, so I also saw two. Yeah, there's the adult male and female and then there's an immature bird. Do that, we think that it's. They all showed up at the same time. So mm. it. it it's plausible. I mean, short of doing some DNA or something, they don't really. the The young one doesn't seem to hang out with the adults oh. so much, which I don't know that it would at this point right. anyway. But I kind of wondered if it's because they pretty quickly were just right on the peninsula where with the mallards and stuff. So I wondered if we've had a female that's been here the last two winters. Mm-hmm. I wondered if it was her, and now she has a, a, a male that hung with her. Maybe maybe they. You know, we can construct a story pretty easily. That Ooh, they maybe they'll stick around. Nested over the summer. If they didn't, maybe they will. <laughs> well, and they nest. There was birds that nested in Juneau this year. Wood ducks. Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, first documented nesting in Alaska. Um, That's really cool. So yeah, so it could be they certainly seem to become less rare over the last five to ten years. Uh, and my understanding is their population overall is increasing. So it's maybe not surprising that they're starting to show up here a little more frequently. But that's one of the things that, you know, this is still on the sort of the outskirts. But over time, if we continue to see bird duck, uh, wood ducks on bird count and stuff, that's one of the things that they look at, right? For, yeah, right. yeah. That's what makes the bird count so valuable. It's, it's not hardcore science. It is citizen science, but it's very valuable. Well, and it's, what, 132 years worth of citizen science? 23. 23? Oh, I flipped my numbers. <laughs> Dang. Just let's go. 123 years of yeah of records from and now it's all around the world. Yes, yeah, um, people are doing it. So yeah, um, you mentioned avian influenza. The last time I had uh, the two of you in here was actually sort of an unusual time for us. We spoke, I guess it was early spring, and mm-hmm. and you were gearing up for um, bird apocalypse or whatever it ended up calling <laughs> yeah. with avian influenza and your and your. Um, I can't remember. You, you had your, your, your categories of levels. alert levels of alert for the oh, Raptor yeah. Center. Oh, the best which were, intentions. Which we're back to, kind of. So, yeah, we're, uh, we're back to red alert. Um, we are a hot spot again. Oh. Um, Not we, eagles this time. Ravens. Since November, there have been nine positives in Alaska. And three pending here, which we're sure are going to be positive. For eagles or just birds? Uh, Those were three are ravens, yeah. Okay. So the way they do the avian influenza testing is we take a swab out of their cloaca or their vent and out of their mouth. We then send Different swabs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We then send those swabs. uh, The state pays for it. But they go to Washington, to their lab, and they screen every swab they get for just 
in general avian influenza. So not necessarily high or low, it's just a screen. And so these three ravens that are pending, they got a positive screen. But I can almost guarantee it's going to come back highly pathogenic because our last batch, we had a gull and a raven that came back positive. And these three ravens that are pending, they were right from the same area as that raven and showing neurologic signs. Mm -hmm. So I remember it when we spoke last time, it was really impacting the raptors in particular, owls and and eagles uh, and other raptors elsewhere. Uh, It was unclear how much it might impact songbirds, especially songbirds and ravens being songbirds. So is it killing the ravens also or is it just making them really sick? We knew from the beginning that it generally doesn't impact passerines except crows and ravens uh, that are scavengers. So they're eating the carcass and that's how they're getting it. Whereas a junco they're eating seeds they're not as likely to pick it up yeah and i think of the four ravens i think two were alive and definitely showing neurologic symptoms and two were dead on arrivals so and those are here in sitka yeah they were were kind of um marine street blatchley school area back in there um yeah all all four of them were, which is why I kind of keyed in on it because I was like, this is like the fourth call we've gotten in that area. And so I think there must have been, maybe it was an eagle that died or something and they found it or a gull that died that had it. They found it, they were eating on it and they all just happened to be in the same mm-hmm. neck of the woods. And Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you made it through the summer all right then? We did make it through the summer. Uh, things really uh, trailed off. Our last one was in June. Yeah, like mid-June, yeah. wasn't it? And so we started accepting patients with caution um, and started loosening up our protocols. And then, bang, in November, we get hit again and had to tighten everything up. I know. We were really hoping we'd squeak through without getting anything in the fall. But yeah. we're pretty much testing everything that we pick up. So Yeah, yeah. So is the thought then that, you know, trailing off in June that it was really a function of migrating birds coming through and mm-hmm. then the few birds picking it up during that time, but it not really persisting in the population locally? Yeah, I think so. I, this particular strain of avian influenza seems to cause a lot more death than other strains in other birds. So in the past, uh, like ducks were carriers, and then they'd spread it to everyone. Well, I think they are still carriers. I think they but. are still carriers, but I think there's a lot more birds dying from this than in, pa- in the past. And so if something dies from it, it, other than being a carcass, it can't spread it. So that's sort of my thought on why things kind of stopped in Sitka. So the migratory birds brought it in. Then everybody who got it probably died. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we had th- that nice lull of several months. And it's so crazy because... Places down south have seen a lot of dead birds, and Alaska's, I don't think our list is as high as a lot of other places, but Alaska's such a big place that we could have lost three times as many birds as what we actually know of, because yeah. people just aren't out there yeah. looking, so... And so then this November, I guess, it kind of, that corresponds with waterfowl migration, mm-hmm. sort of, for birds that are going to be yeah going to be here at least more 
for the winter. I mean, there's waterfowl that are moving through in August and stuff mm-hmm. too, but but the wintering birds like November, the swans coming in, a lot of the the sea ducks coming in and kind of um, settling. We were worried in. we had a positive swan, but that one turned out to be negative. Yeah. We did have a positive gull. I was um, surprised about that gull. I mean, he was very. He was acting very weird and very... And he was vomiting. He was vomiting. Was it was, yeah, it was gross. But um, Avian influenza can present pretty much any, any way. It was very strange. GI though. signs, respiratory signs, neurologic signs, pretty much the whole gamut is yeah. how it can present. So if folks are seeing birds that are acting particularly weird, it's still a good idea to let you all know. And, yeah, yeah. And, um, acting d- weird is a good way to describe yeah. it. Just don't, and I always tell people when they call, you know, don't, if you see a bird that's acting weird or you find a bird, don't pick it up. Don't mess with it. Just call us. We'll come and get it. So if um, you find a dead bird as well, then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah if you find a larger dead bird. bird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As long as it's not too far gone, I think we yeah. can, yeah. you know. Is that true for, so like, I mean, if it's an obvious window strike or something like that for a small songbird, are you still I would still like to test it because I okay. think the testing of passerines is minimal. And yeah. so we're assuming it's not in there. But is it actually because we're not testing? Well, and it's – well, also part of, the, part of the problem is the songbird is tiny, tiny, and you have to get that. But they lay an egg, remember? I know they do, but it's <laughs> – I just feel terrible sticking a big cotton swab up a I'll little tiny it. bird's cloaca. Well, when they're dead. When they're dead, it's not so yeah. – it's not a big yeah. deal. But when they're alive and they're struggling, it just makes me so sad. <laughs> Yeah, well, fair enough. I uh, I was thinking more like we don't usually get um, the living ones, although sometimes they do get a little bit like something's going on. I, I have a yeah. junco in my yard that seems to be hopping. I think it might be the same one I saw a while ago, but it's got one leg that's just like all stuck out straight oh, and just hopping around on broke one. it and then it yeah, feels something yeah. something weird. But it's just it seems to be Hanging happy. I mean, I guess. I well, don't, I mean, it was it was doing its thing anyway. I've gotten. A couple of calls this summer about an eagle with a foot problem or uh, it's missing a foot or there's something really wrong with it feet wise. And uh, I got it a call early in the spring and it was the bird was hanging over here by the hotel and they um, I said, oh, yeah, there's a bird that's only got one foot that's hanging around an eagle. And in general, raptors. If they only have one foot, they don't do well. But this guy, it was a three-year-old bird. And I've been following, I mean, I've gotten calls every year about a bird first. It was a, you know, it's like age progressing along the way and doing just fine. I mean, I just thought scratch its head with its stumpy leg and um, it's doing okay. So I'm not going to pick it up. I mean, and then I got another call about a, a different bird on Castle Hill. It was laying down on the grass up on Castle Hill and... It stood up, and it, it was a different bird because it was a young bird, but different coloration. And le- well, maybe it was the same bird that molted, but it it also only had one foot and flew off just fine when we got up there with the net. So, hmm. yeah, they do okay, even raptors, surprisingly, which is not shouldn't be just because yeah. raptors are bigger and it affects their their heavier affects like, their feet more they seem to do a lot more catching with their feet than yeah like i saw a mugle this summer a uh, short-billed goal um that looked like they were thinking about nesting on the pilings out off that there was a pair of them and one of them just had one just had a stump for one of the feet mm-hmm. and the other one didn't but you know there are a lot of times they're not catching with right their, and they sit their, on the water yeah. so they get their pressure off the water but like a raptor that's always 
you know, I we see shorebirds every year. I feel like I see at least one or two shorebirds that have a leg issue or or are totally missing one leg, and they're just be bopping around on one leg. They'd yeah, fine. Uh, yeah, I, I guess you know you you do what you can. You don't have a lot of choices otherwise, other right? Than, you know, and well, one thing I've seen people post about a couple times on Facebook is. Um, Birds with, I guess it's avian pox or something. Like they got a lot of growths. And I stuff saw on their that feet. recently. It's on a raven. Yeah, seems to hang around market center. Market center. Um, I think that's actually mites. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, scaly um, mites. Yeah, that's causing all that thickening of the skin. All right, so that's because I was I've noticed like sometimes marks around the face uh, or and then on the feet, kind of odd growths or something. Yeah, and you know especially around the face, that's probably pox, and we often see pox on the legs. But I've seen photos of that raven that you're talking about, and I yeah. do think it's mites rather than pox because yeah. it's only on his feet. Yeah, and. Um, and it's all of his, and it's all of his feet and yeah. legs, as opposed to an isolated lesion. Um, pox is more like a big; it almost looks like a tumor. Mm. Yeah, and scaly mites is something that um, chickens get often. So he could have gotten it from some chickens in town, or so. Who knows how he got it? But um, so one of the people that works at the Raptor Center saw a picture of it, and they said it, he looks like he's wearing pants. <laughs> so. <laughs> So now every time I see a picture, I'm like, ah, he's wearing pants. <laughs> it just looks funny. He just looks odd. But otherwise, I mean, his feathers look great. So he's doing all right. So he's, that something yeah. like that, are they able to eventually shed it? Or is that going to be with him for a while? I don't know. Well, he'd need to have the mites treated. Oh. Um, so unless we ca- catch I mean, him, which I don't see that happening. Yeah, the, that's the hard part. Like treating the mites isn't that difficult. But catching the bird. <laughs> they can fly just fine. They can fly just fine and it's healthy otherwise and he's been around for a while so he seems to be tolerating it yeah yeah i remember a few years ago there was one that had the the crow that had the dart through its head for it was around for two or three years at least and i want to say like at least three years yeah it would show up at mcdonald's and at the harbor and and everyone saw somebody post a picture like who would do this and i'm like well it's somebody did it but it's been a while yeah he's doing okay doing all right and yeah, it's it's kind of remarkable what animals are able to live with, especially I suppose ones that are used to or comfortable being around people because there's a lot of scraps to that maybe are a little easier to catch than what they might have to do yeah. otherwise. I suppose. I mean, that crow. Where did he go? He went to McDonald's. Yeah, and, and the harbor. There's all this and stuff har- that yeah. scrapes off the off the pilings. Oh yeah, you see when the, the, see the tide crows goes eating up the, the yeah. eating the mussels and stuff that that are off of there. So. So yeah, it is kind of an interesting thing. But so you're all so so the the high alert essentially for avian influenza is back for yeah. for now at least, and mm-hmm. hopefully this will just be a, yeah. a shorter term thing, and things will settle out again. We hope so. Yeah, you know. we hope so. Um, it avian influenza likes it wet so and cold. It's a potential that it won't settle yeah. out. Wet and cold. Well, I mean that's kind of us all yeah. the time, right? I guess, but, so. Yeah. <laughs> one one of the places that's been having a, a bigger reoccurrence of it is the UK, mm. and they're wet and cold just like us. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't know that it'll. Hopeful, I'm hopeful that it won't stick around forever, but. I suppose it's also it's density dependent. It's like how dense it is. Like you were mentioning in in the summer that the birds that had it probably just all died and and there's enough other food to eat i suppose the winter time would be a more likely time for it to persist locally just because birds are looking for anything to eat the the ravens and the yeah, and the eagles are scavenging yeah. and mm-hmm. so 
you know, there's some deer carcasses and stuff around right now, but um, yeah, we're coming to the hard time of year too with neurolog. So basically, right now, anything that comes in with a neurologic issue is getting humanely euthanized. Well, any every unfortunately everything because we're in yeah. the highest level of alert. Every bird that comes in because we can't risk bringing them to the raptors. Mm. So, but this time of year is when deer carcasses are getting dumped, the scavengers will get into the lead. We'll start seeing lead poisoning, which then looks is neurologic, looks a lot like, can look a lot like avian influenza. And so those birds are getting euthanized too. But it, we were just talking about it on the phone yesterday, like, oh, we need to start testing for lead because we did pick an eagle up at Samson Tug and Barge that we thought was having some symptoms and it was like, oh, this bird's probably going to come back as avian influenza positive. But then I started thinking about it and I was like, well, <laughs> it is that time of year. It could it could have been lead, which doesn't matter because it was humanely euthanized. But um, yeah, it just got me thinking, oh, we got to start looking for lead again. Is that something that just like eating one or two on one or two deer carcasses, if they ingest some of the lead, is that oh, yeah. enough to, to trigger that in them pretty rapidly? Bald eagles are more susceptible to lead poisoning than some other birds. So yeah. it doesn't take much. And uh, we've learned an awful lot about lead and how it spreads throughout the deer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it almost makes me hesitant to eat venison because there's these very powerful videos on the Internet showing how lead, because it's such a soft metal, it really breaks up. And then it microscopically oozes into the muscle. So you get out the big pellet and you think you're good when actually there's lead spread through an awful lot yeah. of the meat. So, that's, Yeah, I remember seeing about that and, and thinking that that's a good reason to shoot him in the head. Um, where, well, or not use lead. Or not yeah, use lead. Just not yeah. use lead. Bullets, for your yeah. own safety. I mean, yeah. of course, for the eagle's safety, but even for your own safety, there's a yeah. very good reason to not use because, lead. Because, you know, lead, while lead doesn't affect humans – as rapidly as it affects bald eagles, it still affects us. Yeah. So yeah. something to just think about and and uh, be aware of. It's yeah. And if uh, yeah, just uh, do a little Google search of you know what lead bullets or something. Yeah. Or there's a great website that's uh, I think it's called. Uh, Hunted non hunters non lead hunting or something like that. Gosh, I should have looked it up beforehand. Um, but it it shows that with they use this uh, gel that they shoot a lead bullet in mm-hmm. and then they shoot a like a copper bullet in and the lead bullet just going into gelatin shatters everywhere. It's insane how scary. I mean, it's just scary. And it takes a little, just a teeny, teeny, tiny. We've gotten eagles in with just a little teeny, tiny piece of lead in their gut. And it's And it's that's causing them, them trouble? Yeah. Are you able to remove that and then and they heal up? Or Well, that- you can. Uh, you can get the lead. You can get them to throw up the lead or to, to poop the lead. But, um, you know, the whole time it's in there, it's yeah. still leaching out into their system. And then uh, the treatment for lead poisoning is not... It's not fun for us, and it's really not fun for the birds. I mean, it makes them makes them not want to eat. Um, it we have to do it like two times a day, so we're picking the birds up, we're having to tube them, we're having to give them a bunch of fluids. Um, 
and the the drugs are pretty rough on their system. So we've turned a couple around, but if they're they let it, to, they have to have the lowest level. Yeah, to yeah. turn them around because once they get about, I think our limit is like twenty. Mm-hmm. What is it? Mig, whatever the measurement is, but twenty. And we've had birds that were in the hundreds. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, I remember hearing a lot about lead shot and of course that being an issue people waterfowl hunting the lead shot is in the bottom of the of the water bodies Mm -hmm. and the birds are going down there and getting grit and stuff Mm -hmm. and so they're just ingesting it later uh and so i think there's been a pretty strong movement away from lead shot uh and maybe it's it's even illegal illegal in a lot of places um I haven't heard as much about the lead bullets, but I do remember hearing about the sort of the shattering effect and that it goes mm-hmm. a lot further than you would expect yeah. in, inside. Yeah. It's so just your animal. deer are the primary issue rather than the waterfowl. Right. Yeah. But it is, I mean, it's just something to think about. Um, you know, we by, by no means are anti-hunting. Everybody yeah. hunts. I mean, there's nothing wrong with hunting, but just maybe think about what kind of ammunition you're, you're using when yeah. you're hunting. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And so, yeah, if anybody sees weird acting birds, let the Raptor Center know. Yes. The, the, um, uh, there is some avian influenza that's around lately and mm-hmm. apparently maybe potentially some lead poisoning as well for, for some of the, the scavengers. Well, after two kind of depressing topics, I'd like to change the subject to um, I'm wondering how you guys are keeping track of your bird lists. When I, um, when I was prepping for this interview, I looked at my Alaska bird list and realized I have three separate lists, and I don't think they're all the same. How do you have three separate lists? What's going on there? Well, I, I have the one that I send in to <laughs> right. get, get my patch, and then I have one that I had on a little fold-out card, and then I had another one where I wrote things down. <laughs> um, I need to make sure they're all exactly the same. So I go but then, the then, of course, there's eBird. I have my yeah. eBird list. I go – basically, I go – by the list that I've sent in for the Alaska 200. And didn't you send your list in and you didn't have one? Yeah, I sent my list in and then I lost it, but I, I contacted Ed and he sent me. Oh, that was nice of him. Yeah, he sent me what I had originally sent in, so I know I got it now. Okay. <laughs> I got it because he sent it to me. So, yeah. Um, and you you're not you don't use eBird to keep track? I don't know. I don't use eBird. But I, I have... I also have a little fold-out card because I think I gave that to you. Mm-hmm. I made it and gave mm-hmm. it to you. Um, it, and I try to keep up with that. But I, if I think I saw something and I didn't, I always refer back to my 200 list. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, they get out of whack because you don't <laughs> have – yeah. I'm really starting to go all eBird. Yeah, so Connor, uh, my son, put everything into eBird that he'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. So eBird is it has his full list. I haven't – got around to putting everything into eBird. Um, most of my stuff's in eBird at this point. Most of my recent stuff, which is most of the species I've seen, I've seen within the last couple of years at least once. So they're in eBird. But there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I don't know. I think probably see my eBird list is like 220 or something. My state list is 250 or something. So I have about 30 some odd less typical things. Like I didn't have rock, bird, rock ptarmigan in eBird because I hadn't seen one in the last couple of years, for example, until this year. Um, so there are some things that aren't in eBird yet. I submitted the list. I remember like new stuff. So I, there's an, I haven't had anything show up that I was like, I've never seen that before, but it turned out I had, so that hasn't been an issue so far. 
I have pictures of everything that I've seen, so I everything. Uh, did you get everything now? Yeah, I, oh, uh, the last last one I didn't have was uh, Leech's Storm Petrol, which I got during the storm last year when it came flying oh, right, in. Right, right. Yeah. I actually, had pictures of them from the Raptor Center. Somebody had brought some in that were oiled, but those don't get to count as uh, <laughs> as seen birds. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I was able to get pictures of everything that was new for me this year. So, uh, so iNaturalist actually has a list, but it's also includes uh, hybrids and other things, yeah, which, is, which a is a little harder confusing. to filter yeah. out. So usually what I do is, I mean, I have the initial uh, Alaska 200 thing that I have. And then I, as soon as I see a new bird each you year, enter it. Yeah. I, I have just a, a Google Doc that I open up, which is in the format. I delete the ones that were new for me last year, and then I just put in the, the next one. And so this year I'm adding a bunch because I traveled. I got four new birds in oh, Sitka yeah. this year. And you went to ADAC. But I went to ADAC, so I think there's like something like 19 or 20 new birds from Anchorage and ADAC. Matt Ooh, traveled. Cool. Yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. so proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was an interesting trip you had to going to ADAC. But um, I didn't have the year that, that you had. The guy that's there every year, both spring and fall, I mentioned that I mean, you all went there with, I think it was the two of you and Kitty. Kitty, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he's like, oh, yeah, I remember that year. They saw everything. <laughs> that <laughs> Not year. everything because we left. Like, if yeah. we just stayed there three more days, we'd have gotten like four more birds. But It was apparently okay. a pretty remarkable year that year that you were all there. I know. Mm-hmm. I think we I think we impressed Frank because we – found some birds for them you found that bean goose that's what made the bean so goose happy. yeah that oh, bean yeah. goose is crazy we we did not have such a remarkable i mean it wasn't a bad year i think as things go but it was a lot of stuff that i'd already seen before so it was like north american yeah, but good you still birds got 20 and, new birds or something yeah i mean those were the breeders and stuff like that yeah. so it was like those are a lot of those are birds you'd see every year we didn't get a half inch but we saw 10 bramblings right. or 11 bramblings but i'd seen bramblings here so those are a little less exciting right. you know which when, was funny because when we saw the brambling it was like my first sighting of brambling and then we come back to Sitka and there were like two or something in in Sitka that year (laughs) it was like well we just saw these (laughs) yeah it's kind of funny how that works but but so I have just I've just basically added um those those google docs and so I they're in my google drive so I just I can refer back Mm -hmm. to those if I want to so I don't really have a, a list in a single place I guess but you don't I also, have one big master list somewhere. No, I don't have a big master it's list. It's in his head. I, well, I just I know the <laughs> stuff that I I haven't. I like I like I said so far there's not been anything that I thought oh I haven't seen that but it turned out that I had at least for birds. Um, for other things sometimes there has been. I was like oh, I don't think I've ever seen that and I look back in my pictures oh sure enough I did so. But I but I do take pictures of everything yeah. so that makes mm-hmm. it a little easier. And I to like I just organized. I don't know what it is about eBird. I just am. <clears throat> It was challenging initially, and I think that really put both of us off, and then I dove back in once it got better. Yeah, I just like to put my pictures on iNaturalist, so. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I do that. I do both. I don't put nearly as many pictures on eBird as I do iNaturalist, because I'm doing iNaturalist for other things as well. Yeah. I didn't use eBird. I had my own thing for a long time, and then once I started using iNaturalist more, then eBird became easier because I was, I'd stopped using my my own sort of home built thing, uh-huh. um, where I was recording everything, like plants and everything. I just stopped. I used to record when things were blooming or whatever, um, and then birds all in the same little app that I had. Um, once I stopped using that for plants and stuff as much because I was using e- uh, iNaturalist a lot more, then eBird made more sense. And they have the the phone app's pretty decent. You know, if you wanna do it while you're out in the field, you can do that. I still not like a super fan of the way they do hotspots and stuff like that it annoys me a little bit because like when i go to swan lake at the peninsula then the dot is up at the upper end of swan lake and i'm like (laughs) that's not where i was (laughs) 
and it's not like anybody cares but me, probably. But um, but for me, it's a little bit annoying that it's not in someone's the place little, where I was. Someone's a now, little anal about that. Now, is Connor going to be the one to fix all that? Well, no. So I asked, actually asked some of the hotspot stuff can be fixed a little bit, but you don't really because everybody's entered it with that. So I think their idea is that they they recommend you just if there's a hotspot nearby, just use it. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. nearby. So I, I know that some local folks and me included have their own little areas that aren't hotspots. And so you'll see that pop up if you look at their list. It'll say where they were mm-hmm. roughly. Um, but visitors are typically use a hotspot, and yeah. so you don't really know where exactly they were. Like there's Indian River Flats East or something like that. So you're like, well, where was that? Yeah, like who set those up initially? I don't know. Um, there was different people that set them up. You can you can recommend something as a hotspot, um, and then and so then it's you got to talk to the people. Like if it's a visitor and they use that. Like one year there was somebody that reported a least um, or a yellow bellied flycatcher and. Um, white crowned sparrows uh, in the summertime. And I was like, both of those are kind of, I mean, the, the yellow-bellied flycatcher for sure, and the white crowned sparrow even. Like, we, that, yeah. like it's it's possible they're starting to nest in, the Pugetensis subspecies starting to nest in Ketchikan sometimes. So it's not like ridiculous to think that they might show up here, but there's never been any, any report. And so they just had this this hot spot, and I was like, where where was it? It turned out that they were, I think they were kind of on the Rapper Center trails or, or up along Indian River somewhere. And they just picked this hot spot, which, you know, I didn't know exactly <laughs> where it was. Uh, and so oh. I, I got in touch with somebody that was an eBird reviewer. They asked the people and, and they told them, oh, well, I was here. And so then I went there and I was like, oh, they, it was probably a Pacific Slope flycatcher that they saw. Um, and they have a yellowish wash yeah. to them. And then the thing that was consist- conspicuously absent was Townsend's Warblers which were singing all over the place. And I was like, oh, they probably mistook. They didn't see the white crown sparrow. They said they heard it singing. And so oh. they probably mistook the song of a Townsend's Warbler for white crown sparrow. Mm-hmm. But, you know, without knowing with, with some fine detail, uh, sometimes it's hard to know where exactly to go mm-hmm. look. On the mm-hmm. other hand, birds do move around, so it's not like they're always in the exact same spot all the time. So yeah. But yeah, eBird's a great a great place to. It does keep track of your list. So I do a lot more your list stuff now because now I'm like, oh, look, I can well, see easily how many birds I've seen this yeah. year. I yeah. do actually use eBird. Um, like I'm going to a conference in. It's in Delaware in March, and they have birding trips, and I'm like, well, is it worth it to take this birding trip? That's like. A seventy dollar trip, and it's this whole day thing. And what am I going to see? And so I went on eBird and I looked up at the place they were going to go. And it's, I mean, it's mostly waterfowl that I've already seen. And in March, what are the chances in Delaware that I'm going to see anything crazy? So I just said, no, I'll save my money on that one. So I do use eBird yeah. that way, you know, to like look. Oh, what time of year is it? And what have they seen throughout the years? And yeah. Yeah, it's, it's useful. It is useful that way. I know folks that, yeah, that, that look. Connor was using that when we were getting ready to travel. He was watching the other groups that were in ADAC before we got there to oh, yeah. get a sense of what he wanted to look for. And also in Anchorage, some things that he was hoping to see and kind of targeting those. So, I, yeah, I know people. And since I'm such a local birder, I, I like I look at eBird and see what people are putting in. Because yeah. sometimes it's visitors and, they, and, they, and I'm kind of like I wish that people – new to contact somebody like when you see two days later about a bird that was a 
good bird for here that they didn't get pictures of or didn't let anybody know until it went into eBird. Right. It's kind of like, well, there's a number of us that would have gone and looked for that if if we had known. Um, and I know that you look at stuff. So there are times when <laughs> sometimes I won't, wherever I am, you can't put all of your eBird in. You have to get back into service. Oh, right. Yeah. And I'll be like, all right, I have to do this right away. So Matt knows <laughs> that I saw the Tundra Swans or whatever. So I don't forget to. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, so I, it's but but I'll get on it sooner because I know Matt's watching. Yeah, Matt's watching. <laughs> That's creepy. <laughs> yeah, I I do I do like to see what's coming in, and it's usually there's a little bit of a delay. I think it it sends me an update every hour or something, an email, and I don't always look at my email, so sometimes I don't see. You're those. kidding! You yeah. get email. I get updates. email updates. So what I doesn't want to miss a bird. What I what I did was I said I actually have a dummy account that has no birds on it, and I said. For Sitka, send me an update about anything that I haven't seen. So I haven't seen anything on that account. So oh. it sends me an email for everything that comes in. But that's, that's a just species. once a day. No, the rare birds is once a day. The the updates you can set it up. So it, I think it's like every oh, no hour. Because I get once a day, I'll get what you're talking about. Yeah. I didn't know you could set it to be that annoying. You can set it up to be well. It's not so bad in Sitka. <laughs> it's not uh, annoying. I, I mentioned that to an Anchorage bird, and he's like, "That's that's insane," and I was like. <laughs> Well, we don't have that many people using eBird here, so it's not really that big of a deal. Right. Most of the eBirders here do one list a day at most. So, Ooh, speaking of Anchorage, I'm going to be in Anchorage. I need to see a great gray owl in Alaska. I've seen a great gray owl, but it was in British Columbia. So I'm going to have to watch that. I'm going to yeah. have to look and see. Well, you might have to. There are some places, I think, that people go where they're most likely to be seen. So you might get in touch with yeah. some Anchorage people and, and yeah. see about uh, specifically looking for one. Because I want to find one. They've been reported here a couple of times. Um, I there was one. There was reported in one my from, lifetime. Yeah, in, one, in yeah the the <laughs> one that was the one that was documented was at the north north end of um, Baranoff Island, and it was shot. So you know they they pretty they sure have a specimen. <laughs> yeah, the there was a report of from a few years ago. Um, somebody told told me like well after the fact um, that they had been going to the. Um, the uh, artesian well at Stargavin uh-huh. and in the wintertime. So you have to walk in, you know, and so there's this, um, uh, you know, you're walking along the trail or whatever. And he said there was a great gray owl, like right above the trail, just looking, looking down on him as he was walking in the wintertime. And, and so I was like, Oh, that would have been fun to Let see. But yeah, what? but it's kind of one of those things where people see things, they don't even realize that anybody cares. So, um, that's why, you know, whenever anybody ever sees anything, I'm like, please, here's here's my email. Here's we my phone like number. We need to, hand <laughs> people a, um, a flyer when they get off the airplane. Yeah. <laughs> if you're here to bird, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> I, that's why I tell Connor, I said, you should you should walk the neighborhoods. And if you see people with feeders, you know, be friendly and say, hey, if you ever see anything. Because you just never know where birds yeah. will show up. They often show up at random feeders. I know. So. Well, I know there was a great grade on like Prince of Wales a couple of years ago. Yeah. I saw pictures of that, but it always makes me jealous. I'm like, Ugh. well, and you saw a northern hawk owl here, I saw didn't a northern you? Hawk yeah, owl see, here. I haven't seen one of those. It'd yeah, be nice to see one of I those. also want to see a boreal owl, but well, somebody posted on Facebook Patrick. that that really nice <laughs> video of one right along Blue Lake Road. That evening, I went up there, but you know, never saw anything. I know. So. I and we've picked up boreal owls here. They've all died on us, but I remember uh, at least there's two that stick out in my mind that we've picked up, and um, I would like to see a boreal owl. Yeah. Well, 
You're not alone in that. I think. What else do I need? Let me make a list of owls that Jen needs to see. Yeah. Well, you know, if we're if we're wishing, there's the was it long-eared owl that showed up in Juneau a couple of times. Oh, I know. That was my nemesis bird for a while, and then I went to Reno and I found one. (laughs) Oh well, they're more common there. Yeah. 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 They, but you know, like a long-eared owl, I would love to see those again. Um, I have. It grew, this is especially weird considering I grew up in the Midwest. I've never seen a barred owl. Oh, I've heard them a lot, but I've never seen one. Yeah, I haven't seen one either. There's one report of one from here in like 2003. Um, and oh, yeah. I think they're more regular in, I don't think they're common, but they're more regular in Juneau and Ketchikan. Right. And we've never, as a patient, we've had barred owls as patients, but we've never gotten one from this island. They all come from Ketchikan or Oh, okay. Or do, do you know? Do you release them here? No. Or do you send, we send them, back? them back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we send them back because we don't want to, if they're not going to be here, we don't need them here. So. Right. Well, it's interesting. I just happened to, you know, I was back in 2006. I, I posted on my website uh, just sort of links to these old papers from like 19, 1898, uh, I think 1914, and then uh, there was a follow up in 1941, these old like birds of Sitka area kind of thing and one of the things that they mentioned in there was how scarce screech owls were western screech owls that's like oh that's interesting that they described the great horned owl as being the most common owl around and like i've seen a couple of great horned owls here and specifically on this in, island in sitka yeah in sitka. sitka sitka baranoff Kruzov, yeah. chichikov islands and it made me wonder well you know the cl- the climate shifted a little bit but and also the way that people interact with the place has shifted. But I would think that the, you know, they said Merrill, uh, one of the, the guys worked with E.W. Merrill, um, and he reported Merrill as saying he'd, he'd seen uh, screech owls flying a couple of times. and But, like, we hear them several times a year. It's not that hard to hear them. Um, and so I know that they're, they'll get eaten by other owls, uh, it's my understanding. And so I wonder if there were more great horned owls for whatever reason at the time, if that sort of suppressed. I remember when the owl researchers came here, they were surprised at how many screech, screech owls were owls, here yeah. relative to anywhere else in southeast. Yeah. So I don't know what it is, but the screech owls seem to be happy here and we don't we don't have a lot of other owls. But that was one of the ones that was kind of, I was like, oh, I wonder if that's just shifted in the last hundred years for whatever reason. Yeah, because you know? we just, I mean, that's, I mean, screech owls are the most abundant owl that I've seen here. I mean, I see them, I think I've seen a saw wet once. I've seen short airs that migrate through. Uh, I've seen great horns. I've seen pygmies. Yeah, pig, pygmies are around some years more than others. Yeah, Snowy mostly, owls, again, migrating. The screech is mostly definitely yeah. the most popular owl at the Raptor Center. Yeah, yeah you get them admit. pretty regularly. Yeah. 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 Regular. Every year we get seem to get two or three at least some years, a lot more than that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's fun to see them when you get a chance, and then and to hear them with their bouncy ball calls and stuff. And yeah. I, this year, I actually there was um, I didn't I couldn't see them. They were up in the trees. It was still daylight, but there was it was a family of young birds. Uh, I think probably at least three young birds that were calling at Blue Lake Campground. Um, just before the main part of the campground, at kind of there's some large trees there as you're coming down the road and. And I, I thought, oh, what is that? I think those are owls. And I went in there, and as best I could see, like when I got under under them, I could I could then say, okay, there's one over here, and there's two over here, and I think I might have seen a silhouette fly across at one point. But you know, they were just up in the canopy. I couldn't couldn't really see them. But it is it's always fun to kind of hear them that way. And yeah. um, it's yeah. funny when I I follow the on the bird 
list for, out of Anchorage area, and I um, they they had a screech owl up in Seward or something recently, and they reported on that. Oh my God, it's a big deal! And I'm like, screech owl? Yeah, there was one in Anchorage. <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah, but it was like a big deal because they don't see them up there. Very Everybody often. go look. Yeah, so. Well, we should before we wrap up here, we should re- revisit our, our opening topic of, of the day, which is the Christmas bird count mm-hmm. happening two weeks from when this airs, the 18th of December. Yes. It's um, a Sunday. A Sunday, the 18th of December. The pre-count meeting will be on the Wednesday before that, which is? 14th. 14th. Yep. What at time the Raptor will that be? Center. 6 p.m. at the Raptor Center. 6 p.m. at the Raptor Center. You're not required to go there in order to participate, but it's... Certainly encouraged. Strongly encouraged in order to um, get your route. Yeah. And watch Matt's slideshow. Yes. And Which anybody can not, come. Yeah. yeah. Anybody can come and watch the slideshow if they want. So So it's open. Even if you don't want to participate, you're welcome to come and yeah, see the slideshow mm-hmm. birds. Uh, Connor, my son, uh, who is, is um, quite good at finding birds, will is planning to do a couple of bird walks. One will be on the Saturday... Two Saturdays before, I guess. So that would be Saturday the 10th and then one on Saturday the 17th. He's planning to do those at 9 in the morning. Um, Probably, my guess is, I'm not quite sure where those will be, but uh, my guess is that they will be one of them at Totem Park and one of them at probably starting in front of UAS and maybe walking Mm -hmm. around Japonski Island a little bit. Be a nice opportunity to get out and, and see some birds that are around, get a little, get some pointers on seeing them in the field, which is always a little different than seeing them on the screen. So that's a nice opportunity for folks that might be interested in in doing that. And we'll cross our fingers for good weather. Cross our fingers for good weather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's been a mixed bag over the years. Last yeah. year it was cold. Some years are pretty stormy and windy. Some some years are pleasant. Yeah. And then is there a post-count uh, gathering that's happening this year? Yes, yes. Um, I haven't even thought about that, but I am planning to do it. So I'll have all of the details on that at the meeting. All right. And so, yeah, if folks, is this going to be on community calendar or anything like that? It's on the Raven Radio calendar. Yes. All right, great. So, so yeah, pay, uh, listen to that if you don't happen to remember. Um, and then you can get in touch with either one of you if you have questions. Yep. It's the best. So, what's the best way to get in touch with you? You can send me an e- email at baldeaglevet at gmail dot com. All right. So, baldeaglevet at gmail dot com. If you've got any questions uh, about this upcoming bird count, and yeah, we'll hope to see you there. Thanks for Thanks, coming Matt. in. Thanks. You've been listening to a conversation I recorded last weekend with Jen Cedarleaf and Victoria Vosberg. I want to thank them for taking some time to visit with me, and thank you for joining me here on the Sitka Nature Show. You can check out the Christmas bird count pre-count on the 14th of December. The pre-count walks that will be done by Connor Goff will be at Sitka National Historical Park on the 10th at 9 a.m., meeting there at the Visitor Center. And then on the 17th, Saturday the 17th at 9 a.m., meeting at the ramp in front of UAS to look around Japonski Island. So I hope you are able to check out those if you're interested. Uh, Thanks for joining me here this week. As always, if you're seeing anything interesting out there, I'd love to hear about it. Please feel free to send me an email, sitkanature at gmail.com, or you can get on Facebook and like the Sitka Nature page there. I'll look forward to being back in a couple of weeks. Until then, this has been Matt on the Sitka Nature Show, KCAW Sitka.